0: Hi, welcome to the Tax Chick Podcast. I am your host, Amanda Duset, a self-proclaimed foodie, spin class, and Pilates enthusiast, and a tax lawyer. I fell into the practice of tax law despite having a lifelong hatred of spreadsheets, math, and numbers in general. Tax is complex, but it does not always have to be so complicated and shrouded in mystery. Join me and my guests as we unpack some serious tax topics and attempt to demystify the world of tax. Hello and welcome to the first official episode of the Tax Chick podcast. I'm so excited. Before introducing my first guest, I just want to give a quick shout out to my fiance Craig for creating my podcast intro music. I did ask Craig if he had a DJ name he wanted me to use and he couldn't come up with one. We've decided to go with Craig for now, but stay tuned. We're going to give you some updates on that front and also for some new beats that'll be dropping in future episodes. Today, my guest is Tasha Beyer, a freelance business consultant and bookkeeper in Saskatoon. And just a little bit about Tasha. So she is a proud graduate of the Edwards School of Business in Saskatoon with a Bachelor of Commerce. She thrives on paying attention to detail and providing organizational structures for the implementation of effective business policies, bookkeeping, and data tracking. She conducts herself in a professional manner with integrity in her work and strives to work cooperatively with clients. Her goal is to give entrepreneurs and business owners the freedom to focus on their expertise while she handles the rest. Tasha has a passion for fitness, family, and travel. She believes in living a balanced life which has made her excel in her dedication to her business and her clients. You can connect with Tasha on IG and on Facebook and further details will be in the show notes.
1: So welcome, Tasha. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here today.
0: I'm so excited too. We're we're doing this for the first time together. I don't even know what to say to that. I know, I know. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, it would be kind of fun if we talked a little bit about how we met, because I think that You know, you were the first person that I ever just slid into your DMs. I've never done that to anyone before. And I just cold called you by sending you a DM on Instagram and said, hey, you look like fun. Would you like to be on my podcast? It was a little bit dangerous, but I answered and was like, heck yes. You looked friendly. So I'm glad that you answered me and and said that you'd be prepared to come and chat with me. So today is the first day that we've ever met in person.
1: And it was better than expected, but just as good.
0: It was. And I mean, for context, we're recording this in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic. So we are social distancing across a boardroom table right now. We're, we're being well behaved. But it was nice to be able to do this in person as opposed to over a phone line or over Zoom.
1: I completely agree.
0: I was thinking we should have had these mics on for like the last half an hour of our conversation because we had a good old chat when you showed up here and we should have been recording that. That was some good stuff.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) There was some good laughs, some good humor in there, lots of content.
0: So we're going to have to repeat some of that so that other people can hear some of these good stories.
1: I like that.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, Tasha, I gave a little bit of a bio here to our listeners, but I guess do you want to tell us a little bit about, about you and kind of what you do?
1: So I'm born and raised in Saskatoon. I love this city. I love the people here as long as I can travel, which right now is a bit problematic, but that's okay. We're going to get through that. Um, I have a BCom, but I've always had a entrepreneurial spirit in me. I've been surrounded by entrepreneurs my whole life, my family, and it was just something that was always in me. So Originally, when I was doing my initial bookkeeping, uh, I only had a few clients. I liked it, but I just wanted to offer so much more. And it kind of just sprouted from there and got to me here and connected with a lot of amazing business owners. I've also learned a lot from my clients and there's always a new challenge and I just love it. So it's given me a great lifestyle Um, I do work a lot but it gives me some time to have some fun as well and gives me opportunities like this with Amanda today. Well and you're
0: also a fitness buff.
1: I don't know if we'd call buff but maybe guru. I'm not sure. You're
0: like a fitness guru too so not only are you a bookkeeper but you also are a fitness instructor.
1: It's a good balance. Uh, I like to crunch numbers and sit at a desk all day and then teach some fitness, and promote and motivate people to uh, live a healthy lifestyle. So it's a really good balance.
0: That's awesome, because I think sometimes as professionals, the thing that we miss the most is we forget to look after ourselves and our health. And so I actually think that the connection between fitness and bookkeeping is quite unique and quite helpful because it's a good reminder to get off of your butt, right? And get out there and kind of move and keep active and keep healthy. And that helps with mental health and it helps with everything. So I think that's really cool.
1: I totally agree. I couldn't have said it better.
0: So I've decided, you know, I know it's the inaugural podcast, but I thought, You know, why not start a tradition that we should ask, you know, or I should ask each of my guests the same two questions just to see what people say. So I did give you a heads up on this. Um, So I didn't, I haven't quite gotten you cold on this, but there's two questions. The first question is, what is the last podcast you listened to?
1: So the last one I listened to was by Andy Frazella and it's Real as F, um, A Panic of the Pandemic. Okay, that sounds scary,
0: and it sounded scary when you said it earlier. Can you can you explain what this podcast is about?
1: It's kind of a fear of fear, um, but gives you motivation to be your best. There's kind of five outlines in it. It's definitely worth listening to. I love motivational podcast and speeches. So this one was sent to me by another business owner and he was like, you have to listen to it. And it just spoke to me.
0: Well, maybe we'll have to put this in the show notes in case some other people. Yeah, want to I think to we it. should. That's a great plan. Okay. So question number two, what is the emoji you use most often when texting?
1: I use the red heart, but the like deck of cards heart, not the normal red heart. It's just a little bit of a nicer red, I think. <laughs> And I generally send it in threes, so not just one. I like to, you know, give it a bit of extra. Uh, I'm the same with exclamation marks. It's not usually one. It's usually three or ten or twenty. You're just very high energy. I really like that about you.
0: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Well, I mean, I I have to admit that um, bookkeeping is not my favorite thing to do. And my mother was a bookkeeper. So, like, I grew up reconciling bank statements and, like, double-checking checks. And this was a thing she thought was fun for me growing up. And I hated it then and I hate it now. And, I mean, I'm a business owner, so I need to do my own bookkeeping. And when it comes time to do it each month, because I don't wait till the end of the year. I do it monthly. I sit there and I have to like force myself to do it and I just hate it. And I mean, I'm a tax lawyer. Like you'd think I'd like this kind of stuff, but I don't. So I'm always very curious to meet people who enjoy doing this. And like, is maybe there's a tip or something that you can tell me today that might make this a better experience for me. I don't know, but I, I, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is I'm like, this is mysterious. Like this person does this for a living and enjoys it and is excited about it. What am I missing? What am I not doing? So I'm really excited to have you here today um, and to sort of talk about bookkeeping because I think it's one of the most overlooked tasks of a business owner and it is so crucial because if your books aren't in order, as we know, bad things can happen, (laughs) CRA can come calling and you're not going to be ready, but it's the thing that gets stuffed in a shoebox or put at the bottom of the pile and people don't recognize the importance of it. So I think today we were going to talk about kind of three key things. And, you know, we don't have to go topic by topic, but I think let's hope we can capture these three things. So our first topic was going to be, what is a bookkeeper and why do you need one? And then our second topic was going to be options for bookkeeping software. And then the third topic would be the one I'm really excited about, tips and tricks to make bookkeeping less painful. So, you know, without further ado, let's jump in. I'm really excited. Me too. So Tasha, what is a bookkeeper and why do you need one?
1: Well, first off, um, I also think we need to address that bookkeepers 15, 20, 30 years ago were very different from the present day. And I think a lot of people, when I say I'm a bookkeeper, kind of initially want to laugh because I live quite a great life. Um, but... Bookkeeping is such an important piece to the puzzle in business that it's a must. So I guess bookkeepers are very important um, to keep your accounting, your expenses, everything in order. Uh, That way, at the end of the year, your accountant can get you the financial picture, analyze, and get you the bigger picture of results that you need to continue to make your business successful.
0: So in terms of the difference between like a bookkeeper and accountant, because, you know, I was talking about this episode with my fiance, Craig, and he was like, well, what is the difference? And I said, you're going to have to listen to my podcast episode because Tasha will answer that question. So what is the difference between an accountant and a bookkeeper? And, you know, why do you kind of need both of them?
1: Well, um, some accountants definitely do bookkeeping work, but they are more specialized. So generally, they probably shouldn't be doing bookkeeper work. They should be spending their expertise, again, on what they're great at, and that's um, analyzing your reports, um, making, you know, your two-year, three-year, five-year kind of outlooks and forecasts, where a bookkeeper is more day-to-day, week-by-week, month-by-month, so a little bit more of the detailed picture, and kind of more... Um, day-to-day until your fiscal and cal- calendar year ends.
0: So more like, I mean, I'm guessing you're probably not preparing tax returns, but you might do some GST and PST reporting, would yes. you? Yes. Okay, so you're kind of doing GST and PST reporting, but you're not really doing the corporate tax return filings or those sorts of things?
1: Generally, no. Um, some bookkeepers, I mean, if you have very simple um, Tax return, you can do it, that you know, would only have one or two things, but generally you would want your T fives, your T twos, and all your corporate tax to come from the accountant.
0: Okay, okay. And so I know one of the things that that I get often as a question from clients is once they've started a business, now all of a sudden it becomes this this big question of how do I pay myself? And and how do I figure out what I'm allowed to expense where? Do do you help them with any of those types of questions?
1: Yes. I actually just took on a new client with this exact same thing. She's like, how do I pay myself? And I said, well, do you want salary? Do you want dividends? Well, what's the difference? Okay, I'll send you all of that stuff. (laughs) So lots of times, there's a lot of things that can go into deciding that. And there is some clients that obviously... Take both. Do they need RSP room? Do they not? Um, Sometimes what does your spouse do that can take it into an account like that into account? Are you good at keeping track? Will you pay your taxes if somebody doesn't pay them for you? So there's a lot of questions. And I think we deal with it every day. We should be experts in that or at least have um, the knowledge base of where to send clients so that they can get the correct information to make those big decisions. Well, I
0: really like what you said um, as one of those points of, you know, are they organized and will they actually make sure the taxes are paid? Because I think sometimes we get a little, I guess, bogged down in what the tax consequences are of things when we're doing tax planning. And I, I really try to take a step back and, and sometimes I'm better at this than other times to go, okay, these are the tax issues. But what are the soft issues? You know, who is this person? Are they going to be able to understand this structure? Are they going to like this structure? And, and I always say, I want my clients to be able to sit down at Starbucks or Tim Hortons or whatever and generally be able to say to their friend, I have two boxes. Here's the stuff in each box. Here's why. Here's how I get paid. And if if my client can at least say that, then I know that they have the ability to understand that structure and to do what they need to do to make sure they're maintaining it. If the client doesn't understand that or doesn't want to understand that, I think it's dangerous because they're really putting a lot of reliance on us as advisors to be watching out for things. But you may not know all the issues that you need to watch out for. So I really like that concept of what is the person sitting in front of you and are yeah. they somebody who can maintain this? And and there's no shame one way or another. Everybody's good at one thing or another thing. I agree.
1: It's just managing what you're good at. If you spend your full paycheck and it's a dividend, well, that's probably not a good thing. We should probably put you on salary. (laughs) And you know what? And then you're good at whatever you're doing. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And I think that I think that we need to focus more on that as time goes by with our clients and make sure that they, they feel somewhat empowered to make those kind of decisions. So, I mean, I guess just to kind of take it back to basics, um, for, for people who perhaps do not have a business or haven't been engaged in these types of discussions before, I mean, there's different ways to start a business. So we can have someone be a sole proprietor, which means that it's, it's their name and all the income is tracked through them personally. Or the person could have a corporation, and that's where things like dividends come into play. Um, They can be part of a partnership. Um, Again, when you're part of a partnership, all the income and revenues come tracked through you personally. But when you have these different types of business ventures, I find the thing that's that's hardest for clients to capture is the business is not them. So it is a separate thing from them, and that especially when you have a corporation – You need to be so careful to not treat the corporate bank account like your personal bank account because you can't just take money willy-nilly. You have to have a plan. You have to document it.
1: I think that is so well said. There's a lot of individuals that don't understand that, that just transfer money and pay for another corporation from a different corporation bank account. Well, we can't do that. And if we do, it's got to be recorded. And there's tax implications for all of that. So... um, there's a lot of rules, and I think that's a huge reason why you should have bookkeepers. There's so many aspects that come into play, so we deal with it every day. We sh- Good bookkeepers should know all the rules, should know um, all the up-to-date stuff. I mean, COVID was a prime example. Mm-hmm. Every day, the government was changing rules for you know the different programs you could apply for or what you were eligible for, how to remit, you know, payroll taxes. And I know there was a team that I worked with a couple other bookkeepers. You know, it seemed like every day things were getting updated and we just have a little, you know, call to each other. Did you interpret this right? Yeah, that's how I interpreted. Now, the everyday person that doesn't deal with this, I can't even imagine the headaches they were going through if they didn't have somebody helping them or another person to bounce that, that idea off of.
0: Oh, absolutely! I mean, there was points in time where it was changing by the hour. Oh. Like we were trying to do it. I mean, as as a group of tax lawyers, of course, we had our clients phoning us and asking for advice, and so we'd just be like polishing off a memo, and someone go, "Oh, new new release by the government! Oh, darn, <laughs> got to start over again." It was moving so quickly, and there was not there was not a lot of detail that was being provided yes. um, in terms of what was going to happen. And I think even even now, I was on an interesting conversation with. Um, uh, with one of the other um, uh, professionals on LinkedIn about this, because we were talking about the um, the emergency business account yes, and this whole concept of how do you deal with the reporting on the tax return? Do you report the whole thing? Do you report only what you've taken? Do you wait to report it only once the time period has passed and you've now had to repay a portion of it? Because there's a bit of a difference of opinion in terms of the interpretation of the act. No one has said yet exactly how you're supposed to do this. And so, I mean, it would be good to know, I think, to know what to do. And uh, so I think those sorts of things, it's important to realize that even as professionals, like you're saying, and I'm saying, we don't always know what to do. But, you know, to have a professional in your back pocket that you can pick the phone up and, you know, say, hey, Tasha, I don't understand what to do. And then you have a group of people you can go to and and you can provide that advice. That's so important. I think that's so important to have as a business owner.
1: I agree. And I think, um, again, because of COVID, it even made it more precedent in the fact that the stuff was changing daily, like you said, even by the hour. And there was a lot of people that were like, well, I'm not taxed on this. Absolutely you are. There is nothing free about money from the government. So, of course, you're taxed on it. When are you going to be taxed on it? And just knowing those rules and having the information to make the best decision for yourself and your business.
0: Absolutely. So, I mean, I guess if we were to talk about your role as a bookkeeper, so let's say I was to hire you. Let's let's use me as an example. I probably should hire you. <laughs> <laughs> but if I was to hire you and I have a corporation and I come to you and I say, Tasha, I need to hire your bookkeeping services, what would you do for me?
1: So I'm very personalized. I uh, like to have conversations with my clients, see what they need, see who's doing what, and then kind of assess from there. So I do an array of tasks for all different clients some have an in-house kind of I'm not going to call them a bookkeeper but an admin that would take care of some of the tasks that a bookkeeper would um and then I have other corporations that don't have anybody and I take care of every aspect and task um one of the big things for me is I think business owners have something they're generally an expert in or that they should be valuing their time in so it's something they shouldn't be spending their time on Um, so I do your day-to-day monitoring of your bank accounts your credit card accounts um, payroll the tax remittance on payroll Uh, who is EI exempt with certain companies, you can have um, different percentages of EI that you pay as a corporation. So there's all different rules around that. Um, The PST reporting, the GST reporting, and then depending where you're located and what type of business you have, um, is there HST reporting, do we have to break out GST from HST? Um, And then just basic things like workers' compensation, Reporting incomes on that, reporting um, if you need extra coverage as an owner, what that looks like, making sure we pay the premiums on that. And then um, just kind of monthly bank reconciliations, quarterly. And then I like to do um, reviews before they go to accountants at year end and not have it a mess. <laughs>
0: See, that's very interesting because I think, I think sometimes people don't realize how much work goes into the bookkeeping side of a business. It's a lot of work. And it's depending on how many transactions that you're having and kind of what's happening in the run of a month. If you don't deal with it on a regular basis and it's that thing that sits in the corner of your office and like every six months, now you all of a sudden have like three bankers boxes of stuff and you're trying to piece it together. And so to have somebody on your side that's handling that for you on a regular basis frees you up to do the stuff like you said that you're good at to actually run your business and then somebody else is keeping it like a well-oiled machine in the background
1: that's perfectly said I also think like when I'm monitoring your stuff all of a sudden there's a random charge you know that's out of the normal I didn't see a receipt either emailed to me or sent in a package to me okay okay what was this receipt for and it was only two weeks ago now if I ask in 10 months from now you're probably not going to remember and if the receipt wasn't emailed or sent to me where is it the chances of you finding it are slim to none and then we can no longer you know expense it or whatever that receipt is for We also don't know how to record it correctly if we don't have a receipt for something.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and this kind of takes me actually nicely into our next topic. This is another one I'm kind of curious about, which is how we are recording all of these things. So there's so much bookkeeping software out there. And I feel like lately on TV, I've just been inundated with ads for QuickBooks. I know I personally use QuickBooks. I don't like using QuickBooks, but it might not be QuickBooks. It might just be me. (laughs) It might be the operator of QuickBooks that is the problem. (laughs) It's a me problem. It's a me problem. (laughs) But I, I would just be curious to know some of your thoughts on the different types of bookkeeping software that's available. I mean, I'm really hoping that most people are not doing their books by hand in pencil on a large ledger anymore, but I think some people still are. Um, but just sort of your thoughts on, on record keeping and, and these different software options that are available.
1: I like that you said still in the, the Black Ledger book. Uh, that big one, right? My mom still does yeah, that. That big one, yeah. And my mom does too. I'm like, <laughs> we probably don't need to do that, but she feels comfortable with that and it makes her feel safe. So continue. So does my mom.
0: So does my <laughs> mom, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I personally use both Sage. Um, for our more mature friends, they probably know what is simply accounting. Um, and then QuickBooks. Now, I like both of them for different reasons. Well, this is
0: so dramatic. (laughs) What are the reasons?
1: Well, so I was originally trained on Sage or Simply Accounting, um, if you've used it for a long time. And it's come a long way, but I definitely would say it's a little bit more old school. But the reports are very clear. I find it very easy to use because it's your um, very structured way of a debit and a credit for our accounting world. Um, It now has gone into you can port your bank accounts in and auto-classify and all that stuff. The problem within... There was actually just an update a week ago. You have to have the software on your computer. They're transitioning it to not be. So I have it on my laptop. As long as I have my laptop, I can access it from anywhere. Now, for my clients, if they don't need access to accounting software, it's free for them because I just put it under my account subscription. Where QuickBooks is relatively inexpensive, um, but there generally is a charge for clients um, on their end. Now, with QuickBooks, I use the online version. You can access it from anywhere as long as you have the internet, So which is nice. A lot of my clients like to see what's going on, but they also don't know what they're looking at. So sometimes, if I, I let them edit, me. they can <laughs> screw up some books. <laughs> I actually
0: had this conversation with my accountant like a week or so ago, and he's so polite and kind to me and just fixes all my mistakes. And he just said to me the other day, you know, you just put this stuff in and just leave it and I'll just, I'll just move stuff around. It'll be fine. So I just let it all just like go with my bank statements. It all auto populates. I mean, I don't touch it because inevitably as soon as I touch it, I put something in the wrong category and then I I do something bad.
1: Well, and I now lock after we finish fiscal year ends, (laughs) I'll lock the data. and put passwords on it so that accidentally somebody doesn't do an entry into last year and cause trial balances and all that fun stuff to be out of whack. And you're like, well, this was all balanced. What happened? So in a very nice, polite way, I'll send a nice email to my client. I have locked last year. If you need something, email me for the password. <laughs>
0: Well, and I mean, when I see the ads on TV for QuickBooks, like it's so it's so deceiving because it's always the small business owner who looks so happy and they have their phone out. And they just touch a couple of buttons and all of a sudden, you know, everything is is balanced and fabulous. And I just feel like in real life that's just not what
1: happens. I think it's a little bit fake. It's kinda of like having a filter on our photos. Yeah. I feel like that's what those commercials are like. Or like, you know, those women eating yogurt commercials
0: where it's like the best yogurt they've ever had <laughs> in their entire life. That's what QuickBooks is like. And I but then you use it and it's just it's not It's not as user-friendly, I think, as as it's made out to be. I think you do still need to have some base level of knowledge to be able to utilize the program.
1: I think you said that good. Um, I really like transparency with my clients. I think business owners should know what's going on, why I've paid something. You don't necessarily always have to understand it 100%, but... You should understand, okay, this is why I'm paying this. This is why we're paying tax on this. And I like that. I think it builds a bigger trust with your clients. And I think that's why I've had success being a bookkeeper is I don't want to lie to you. I don't want to hide bank stuff from you. You should know what's going on. And... I'm going to ask some questions and you might not like what you have to answer, but that's okay. I'm just setting you up to be successful.
0: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's not so much that somebody has to ask you permission, right? Like, I think that's sometimes the thing is people go, well, I don't want someone else seeing my stuff because I don't want to have to answer for it. But it's not that you're going to tell them you can't spend this or you can't do this. But you're going to be that extra person that's there, that if there is an expense that maybe wasn't supposed to be, like maybe they use the wrong credit card. This happens all the time. Oops, this was a personal expense, but we grabbed the wrong Capital One card out of our purse. Well, you're going to catch that for them. And you know, you're know you going to make sure that if they're trying to expense meals or entertainment or other things, that there's documentation in place to support that. And that's really important. It's not that you're going to say No. It's just that you're going to be like, okay, if we're going to do this, here's what you need to have in place. And if somebody is fraudulently using a card or, or doing something, you're going to catch it because you're the one that's keeping an eye on things. So it's like having a protector in place.
1: I, I agree. And like you said, I'm not going to tell you, no, you can't do something. It's not my business, but I'll give you the information so that you can make your best judgment and also know um, the consequences of you doing that if those arise.
0: Absolutely. And that's so that's so important. So that's interesting that you say, well, first of all, I did not know Sage was simply accounting. That really yeah. explains a lot to me because I, I kind of wondered what happened to simply accounting because I used to hear that a lot. And then I thought, well, maybe QuickBooks just took over. So that, that's good to know. I learned something today. And I think it's interesting that you're saying Sage and QuickBooks have their own Pros and cons, depending on what sort of you need as a business owner. I think that's quite interesting.
1: I also think if something's worked well for you, why change? Um, I know of a few clients that currently use Sage, and we're looking for somebody that still uses Sage because a lot of QuickBooks or a lot of bookkeepers have gone strictly to QuickBooks and a couple other um, free accounting software. Mm-hmm. And you know what? They like Sage, so why wouldn't I provide that service? I also think um, another thing I didn't mention is, do you need project management? Um, There's, again, pros and cons of both. So depending what you need can make a better decision of what software you should use.
0: So when you say project management, what do you mean by that?
1: Let's use an example like construction companies. Lots of times... Obviously, um, laborers are paid out per jobs. So then we can classify um, 10 hours of their 80 hours in the last two weeks went to job A, 30 hours went to job B, 40 hours went to job C, and then we can pull up reports. Okay, we billed out X amount of hours on job A. Did we overbill? Did we underbill? Did our labors take twice the amount of time? Um, If that's something you don't need, then sometimes you can be on a very basic plan. So just the different things that you you need with your business.
0: Well, that's very interesting. Because, yeah, I think especially project management, now that you've kind of explained that, That would be huge, especially if someone was trying a new venture or trying something a little different to see, you know, what are they getting? What's their revenues? What's their expenses from that particular project? I think is a a very interesting concept.
1: Yeah, I like it. And sometimes too, even breaking it down is what are billable hours? What are not billable hours? Obviously dependent on what industry you are in. Um, Sometimes it's really good to know that. How many hours are we spending on work that's not getting billed out? And how many hours are we spending that we do get billed out? And what's the difference between the billed out rate versus the actual um, employee rate or whatever that is?
0: That's so. I mean, as a lawyer, we're we're so focused on our billable time, right? I feel like I do everything in life in six minute increments. Like, I'll be I'll be doing the dishes, and I'm like, that's a point too, right? I mean, I think that's what you think, but it's a very good point in that. I remember working for a lawyer many years ago who kind of said, before I do something, I stop and think, do I need my law degree to do this? And if the answer is no, then I have to make that choice. Okay, is this something for my business or is this something that I need to do for other reasons to help to grow my business? And if not, is there somebody that's better at this than me that can be doing it instead? Because of you can get really bogged down in
1: non-billable work. and I think that's so important I think like I have some very smart intelligent clients that just aren't bookkeepers so when I only bill them three hours they're like what happened well I do this every day well that took me a day and a half well it doesn't take me a day and a half because I do it all the time
0: (laughs) yeah I think you're almost convincing me to hire you (laughs) because I just feel like I go to do it and it's 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 a process whereas if I'm going to do my actual work I can you know I can do something very quickly in my actual work, so it, it's very true. If it's not, if you pick it up and it's not something that's intuitive to you, probably a sign that you either need to become trained in it or hire somebody who's good at it.
1: And I a true thing in my life is we have so many tools, uh, especially in Canada, um, to make us the best we can possibly be, um, whether professionally, personally you know, in a relationship, in a, in a career. So if we have these tools and we have, you know, outsourcing and mentors, why don't we use them?
0: Oh, I agree. I am, I am all about sort of the team approach to business. And I think that so often business owners feel like they need to do it alone and you don't need to do it alone. I mean, even getting other business friends, together and sort of sorting out things as a group is so valuable
1: absolutely you never stop learning and that's the great part of it
0: absolutely i mean i i've loved some of the business relationships that i've had because you you know you find out someone's doing this thing over here or knows this person that you didn't even realize you needed until you talk to them and you go actually i could use that that would help me and then they learn from you and then it's someone to share your successes with and someone to share your bad days with
1: i think so too and I think you get little cheerleaders in life out of that. You do. You do. I
0: think so. Okay. Well, this is, this is very interesting. I feel like I learned a lot about Sage and QuickBooks just from what you were saying. Cause I, <laughs> I just went QuickBooks cause that was the one I saw on TV and I never really explored any other options. So this is, this is good to know. So this kind of brings us into topic three. I'm doing really good, aren't I? And like moving us yes. through our topics. I'm really <laughs> proud of myself. So topic number three is uh, tips and tricks to make bookkeeping less painful. So I would really, I mean, I think in terms of, of what I'm hoping for from this is, is two things. When somebody gives their stuff to you, what is a helpful way for them to bring their things to you? And then secondly, if somebody is trying to do this themselves, what are your tips for how they're doing this themselves?
1: First tip, okay. stay organized and stay on top of it. So the monthly thing is huge don't wait till your end. It's a mess. And then you have a box full of receipts. They're crumpled up. Some of them you can't read anymore because receipt paper is horrible. So monthly is really good. You're fresh. Your mind generally remembers what's happened the last month, much more than that. Sometimes you have no idea. Mm -hmm. Also, we've gone into a world where there's so much automation. So take advantage of that. Um, If you have accounting software, you can automate so many things to the fact that you can either automate it so that you still review it or automate it so you don't have to review it. There are some things like your bank charges, they're generally the same every month. Why are you reviewing them? Yeah, it takes two minutes, but that's just one thing. And If you can automate 10 things, okay, there's a half an hour of your time. So That's huge. And I think our software is also set up to work uh, cohesively with other apps that you may use in business, that if you can um, connect the two, that is huge. So can you give some examples? Yes. So um, there's some, like, invoicing systems for – I have a plumbing company that they use that is specific to that industry – and it automatically um ports the invoices right into QuickBooks. Okay. So then we can get um the big financial picture in one place, but they also have their specialty for their in this case plumbing.
0: Okay. And then the the thing I find that people have the most trouble with is dealing with the paper. I I feel like people are not good with paper. And paper can pile up fast. So when somebody is either getting things ready to bring to you or they're doing this on their own, do you have any suggestions that you're saying, you know, be organized? What, what are your thoughts in terms of how to deal with the paper? Should they be scanning stuff? You know, is there a filing system? Do you have any, any suggestions on that?
1: Yes. So I'm a little bit traditional still. In some things, I still like the paper copy of which I know is not environmentally friendly, but some things I just feel way easier to get done. A good example is Google Drive. It's free. Mm. Take a picture of your receipt, pop it into a shared folder, uh, scan it in. Lots of things come email now versus even printing a receipt. Put the email copy in there. Then no matter what, we can always access it. Um, The other thing now, obviously paper can fade. We do need records for seven years. That's right. If it's faded, you can't use it. So even if it was fine seven years ago, if it's faded and you get audited and they can't read it, it's not valid. Absolutely. So, I mean, we have all these great online folders and clouds that it's so easy to do it. It takes no time. I have some clients that they're out for lunch. They take a picture, pop it in the share folder or some mature clients that just send me the tax and I pop it in the folder. Right, right. And then it's there.
0: And I think that that something that people hi- find hard is getting that set up initially. So is that something that if someone hired you, you could say to them, "Okay, here's the system that you can set up so that people at least know what they're supposed to be doing on a basic Yeah. Basis.
1: Even on a basic level, sometimes getting a simple spreadsheet set up, you know, even sometimes a binder with you know, January, February, March. Very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very common sense to me, not necessarily general common sense and very overwhelming to some people. It is. And it's just like, I just need an hour of your time, Tash. Please, I just need you to help me with this. And like, I think sometimes just giving clients or friends a little bit of moral support is huge. And just a starting point.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's like cleaning out your closet, right? Do you ever find that? Like when you're trying to clean through your closet and get rid of your clothes, it's really hard to do it alone. Like (laughs) you need somebody else there that goes, no, that's got to go. And then it kind of sets it up for you. And, And I can even go over to someone else's house and do it for them. But then if I look at my own closet, it's like I become blocked. I can't do it. So to have somebody create that structure for you is so important. And I mean, I see a lot of this on the back end because a lot of my work is tax litigation. So I'm the one that's getting pulled in once the client's been audited. And I mean, there's been a series of net worth audits over the last number of years that we've seen happen. And then there was a whole, a whole buttload of um, uh, sort of expense-related audits that were happening in the oil fields a number of years ago. And so we were tracking you know, the little receipts, like the gas station receipts, which are the ones that always fade. The gas station's receipts are the worst. And so I was getting boxes of crumpled up receipts from clients and having to kind of dig through them. And, you know, the clients never realized at the time how important it was to keep them organized and to keep them kind of tracked. And now all of a sudden they're looking at CRA and saying, well, I know I traveled a lot during that period, but that was five years ago. Like I can't remember what I did five years ago. And so I think if, if we can kind of keep in mind the reason why we're doing this and the reason we're doing it is that we need to be able to justify each transaction at exactly. a later date. And you will not remember. You won't. I mean, I, I can't remember what I did two months ago sometimes for different transactions, let alone five, six years ago. So if you can document it at the time, and then you get the call for the PST audit or the GST audit or the income tax audit. And what I've found in the past is if you get the call, and, and initially sometimes you'll get those just requests for documents letters, and if you can you know fire back those documents in a day or two, it just shuts the whole thing down because clearly totally. you're organized, you're on top of it. But if you write back and go, oh, actually, I need an extra 30 days, and I need to figure this out, and I need to call this person, it looks suspicious. It looks like you're now trying to back your way into it, as opposed to actually providing this contemporaneous documentation.
1: I agree. I even like the, I don't even know what they're called, two-pronger things? But, oh, the top, I know like, what you
0: mean. Like, it looks like a U,
1: like yes. a square U. I think they're called prongs and fasteners, actually. Well, we'll just call them that for the purposes of this podcast they are so handy like at the end of your month the tool hole puncher put them in the prong and fastener you know you don't need a big binder put it in the box at the end of the year you've got your 12 months and then oh this happened in March oh great I'll just go grab those 50 receipts or who knows maybe you have a thousand receipts it's a lot easier uh group them by company or by date Makes it so much easier. Well, and
0: even if you establish like an annual practice of scanning some of that stuff in, if you're if you say, okay, I'm going to take three hours to do scanning, but it's all organized by prongs. You're just throwing it through the scanner, and you're saving it like that. Way easier. Totally. Than having it in a random box.
1: Well, and what is it associated to? I mean, I'm sure you come across this too, people of multiple businesses. You know, now what was this? If you do both businesses, and they give you you know, a receipt and they paid for it personally. Well, where did this go? So it's just write a quick, it's for business A at the top, or, you know, when you email in business A receipt, business B receipt, you know, it's just a little bit of documentation can save huge headaches.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, I think one of the things that people do not pay enough attention to, especially when they have multiple businesses, is making sure that the expense or the receipt actually matches the business that paid the expense and if it doesn't there's never any tracking as to how we how we've gotten ourselves there i mean if you've got abc co that's paying a receipt for xyz co why was the receipt in the name of the wrong company to begin with because now you could have an issue with your gst return and the itcs that you're claiming and it it kind of snowballs and i've had conversations with clients about that before and they go well it's not a big deal like they're all my companies and I said, well, yeah, but they're different entities. They're different people. And so don't be afraid, I think, as a client, that if you receive an invoice for something and it's not in the name of the right company, to just ask to have it reissued in the right name. And most business owners won't even, like, you know, you wouldn't question it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get mad. You, you'd be happy to give it in the right, uh, the right way. So I think it's important about getting that organized on the front end as opposed to trying to explain yourself on the back end or the ones where, you know, there's shareholder loans going between companies. And so there'll be an invoice over in company one, company two pays it and then, you know, Takes it off their shareholder loan account, and now you've got all these cross um, things happening between the companies, and now you've got these different schedules explaining all the expenses yeah. and why. They, and and then I I'm sitting there as the tax litigator explaining this to CRA, and they're looking at me going, "Come on, like is this really what's going on here? Because it just looks fishy. And even oh. if it's not fishy, it looks fishy.
1: I agree. Like when you're due to AB. Oh, looks- the due twos and fronts are awful. <laughs> I also want to back up a bit. I liked how you said ITCs, which is not something we talked about at all. That's true. But I think we could talk about a little bit as to why bookkeepers are important.
0: So ITCs are input tax credits. I shouldn't have used the short form. I'm sorry. That's okay. I just started. I knew what you were talking about. I knew you did. You were nodding along (laughs) with me, which is, it is good. Um, so maybe we can talk about what those are and then why that is such an important piece for bookkeeping.
1: So they are GST that you can get back or reduce from the GST that you have charged and collected or are collecting. Um, let's use a very easy example, medical professionals. Most of them cannot charge GST on their services. So they can't claim GST back on their expenses. And so in an accounting world, which is different from the normal world, your receipt um, as an expense might have um, a subtotal, a GST, and a PST, but um, for bookkeeping, accounting, tax purposes, this one is only same materials there's we don't record any gst or pst right so that's something too because just because on your receipt that you've got or you paid pst or gst doesn't mean it's recorded that way for
0: accounting purposes. Well, and then it actually makes me think of something else. This goes back to the concept of making sure your records are good because if you want to claim an input tax credit, if you want to get some of your GST back, and if you otherwise qualify for it, there's certain requirements of what needs to be on that invoice. And if it's not there, CRA will deny it and they will go invoice by invoice. So things like is the right name (laughs) on there? Do you have your GST number on there? Is your GST number valid? Is there an indication on the invoice as to what the invoice is for? So I've seen a lot of pushback on those general invoices of, you know, to services rendered. Those are not good
1: invoices.
0: It's not detailed (laughs) enough. Like those kind of things can be problematic. And so This is another reason why it's so key to make sure that your paperwork is correct. Because if you're now going back later and trying to fight for these input tax credits, which can actually add up to quite a bit sometimes um, for people to actually get that back. You know, you can't get it back if you can't prove it. And there's nothing I can do for you at that stage. You know, clients say, well, can't you fix it? No, the document is not there. I, I can't be a magician. I can't pull it out of a hat. There is no legal argument to make. Either the documentation is there or it isn't. And there can be some significant penalties that can apply if you're claiming input tax credits and you're not supposed to or you don't have the documentation in place.
1: I think that's so key.
0: And um, deadlines. Oh, yes. Deadlines, especially with things like GST. I mean, GST, of course, you know, the government says they're trust funds of the government. I, I'm doing like air quotes, but you can't <laughs> see me because I'm on a podcast. Um, but they're trust funds of the government. It's like, it's like payroll. Um, and so if you are late... In making payments or if you claim something that you're not entitled to and it relates to GST, the consequences of that are just so much more dire than if you have an issue with income tax. And as a director of a company, you can be liable for GST issues where it's a little bit harder to become liable for income tax issues. And so these are just things you have to keep in mind. And, And I feel like sometimes the GST return is the thing that gets kind of pushed to the side. And people think it's not as big of a deal. They focus on the income tax return. But man, can GST go bad for you? if you? Oh, don't. it can go really oh. bad. Yeah. We just said that in like very low voices.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's just not something you want to be late on. Um, interest compounds daily. Like, yes. And it's messy because it's generally, for the most part, quarterly. Right. So... Yeah, just no, please. <laughs> just stay on top of your
0: GST. I feel like if someone calls me and they're late in any of their filings, you know, they'll they'll start talking about their income tax and then they'll say, Well, what's your GST filing like? No, I'm on top of it. And I go, Oh, thank goodness, because if we're gonna be late on something, I'd rather it be income tax than GST. I mean, I want you to be compliant across the board, but GST is so important. And so I think if people are listening to this and and they're maybe not you're maybe not quite sure about GST or PST or some of these other areas, this is the time to kind of ask the question. So ask the question of your advisors or, you know, retain an advisor to get some advice on that so that you understand whether you should be reporting GST, whether you are entitled to input tax credits, what's your PST situation because, or, or HST, depending on on where you are in the country, because depending on the nature of your business, you may or may not have those obligations. And there are things that we don't talk about that much. And so you should at least have an understanding as, as a business owner of, of what your requirements are so you can give the right info to your advisors.
1: I like that too, and I think um, the HST can be problematic um, in the online world currently, and I mean, has been for a little bit of time. but we have a lot of online businesses that you know, if it's product based, it depends where your shipping is where the tax is calculated. And that can be um, very interesting for GST because you have to break it out of HST. And if you don't know those percentages or don't know those calculations, it can be very messy.
0: (laughs) Well, and I mean, even to get some information on the initial setup. So if you're charging clients or if you're invoicing people that you know when you have to be charging GST. You know when you have to be charging PST. You know when you have to be charging HST. And even having sort of a bit of a checklist for yourself and your invoices so that you know, okay, if I answer yes to this question, then I need to click this button. That is so key because to go back, you can't really go back and fix that if you haven't charged it properly to begin with. It can be a bit of a mess. Yeah. And then you still have to pay it and you didn't collect it. Absolutely. It's the thing that always has to get paid regardless (laughs) of whether you collect it. (laughs) Well, uh, Tasha, this was awesome. I just looked at the time and we've just been chatting away for like 45 minutes. Blast. This was so fun. I feel like maybe we're going to have to have you on again for, you know, part two. We can talk about GST and, and some of those more nitpicky issues. I think so too. I think there's a lot to talk about and a lot to break down. But um, this Once was We got great. chatting.
1: There was just so much...
0: I know, and, and and our listeners missed the whole half an hour we were chatting before we started recording <laughs> this, and there was good stuff there too. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I I really appreciate you coming on today.
1: Uh, it was my pleasure, and thank you so much for having me and for being a new friend of mine. I know we're new friends.
0: <laughs> Who knew you could make friends as an adult? Hey, I,
1: it's kind I, of strange. It's strange, ain't? yeah. But Just I like sliding new in friends. DMs, making friends. I know. <laughs>
0: It worked out good this time. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast today.
1: Have a great day, and thanks so much for having me again.
0: Thank you. So that's all we have time for today, folks. And I hope we gave you some food for thought, or at least made you smile. Tasha and I sure smiled today. Lots. <laughs> Please see the show notes for any resource material we referenced throughout the episode and to find out more about our amazing guest today. Thank you so much for listening. If you're interested in reading or learning more, I invite you to subscribe to my weekly blog, The Tax Chick blog. And if you have an idea for a future episode or a burning question that you would like to see discussed, please send me an email at thetaxchickpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and click subscribe to be notified when new episodes are posted. Please note that the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast episode belong solely to the speakers and are not necessarily the views of the speaker's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. In addition, the information provided and discussed in this podcast is not legal advice. We encourage you to consult with your legal advisor for specific advice.